Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Amen, amen for those of you out there on Facebook or YouTube, and my studio audience, amen? Amen. amen, all 14 of us, praise God. Please be engaged. I'll preach better if you work with me, amen? Amen, amen. And then uh, put those emojis in Facebook and YouTube, amen? Amen. Listen, um, this is wild, right? The moment that we're in, when you look at this moment, it is beyond our comprehension. It is so unique. One of the things that I have been just reflecting on is the mere fact, right, that this year, 2020, like leading up to it, everybody had a vision. Yo, like in 2013, I had a 2020 vision. I was like, I'm gonna have this many churches planted. 2020 vision, clear vision. Oprah had a vision. There were like dentist office that had a vision. Schools had a vision. Everybody had a vision. And the fact that it was called 2020 just kind of brought that out of it because it sounded like we had clear sight. 2020, you know what I'm saying? And how ironic is it that the year 2020 where we have clear sight, we saw something that no one saw coming except God. Like only the Lord saw this coming. And in light of his unique sovereignty, we sit here and we are now dealing with the fact that we've been hit with something unexpected. And it's so interesting that that is one of the mere challenges of life is that you are hit with the unexpected. Think about, um, you know, since 2016, our church has been looking for a building. And then once we looked for a building, we looked for a second campus. And so we were going to do, you know, church here at four o'clock, church at 11 o'clock. And we, you know, the Lord, we're, we're trusting that he still has it in the plans. But we looked for 32 different spaces between 2016 and now. And I'm going to tell you, All 32, every time we heard no, yo, that thing hurt like deeply in my soul. How many of y'all know I'm so thankful for that no, amen? Amen. Because I was like frustrated because God said no, that no was a blessing, right? But I couldn't see it in the moment. In the moment, it was discouraging. And in the moment, it was distracting that God was actually involved in my life. So many of us come to the table this afternoon with the expectations of what God is doing or what he should be doing. You know, expectations are really caught up in two ideas, better and by now. You know, you you say to yourself, I thought I would have a better job by now. Or you say, I thought my marriage would be better. I thought my friendships would be better by now. Or you say to yourself, I thought I'd have more opportunity by now. Or you say to yourself, I thought I'd be over that sin by now. Or I thought I'd be better. I thought my opportunities would be better. I thought I'd be married with kids by now. You see, better and by now is a reflection of what our heart cries out for. We cry out for a life where we can get something we're expecting, hoping for, looking for. And what is interesting is that when you don't get what you've expected, it leads to disappointment and disappointment will lead to despair and despair 
Despair is this imagery of wondering who is there for me. And if you know God today, if you know the Lord, you could be a Christian yet still be in despair because you say to yourself, where is God? Why has he not shown up? And why has he not given me the very things that I thought he would do? I have been a good Christian or I have been a good person. I've done all the right things and yet I do not see them lining up the way I thought they would. Where are you? Life has not given you what you thought. And you know what's so good is that while you are in the midst of learning about God's life, there are people we can read about that went through encounters with God in the word of God. And throughout the Bible, this is what's crazy. Throughout the Old and the New Testament, God consistently, seemingly abandoned some of his favorite people. The people that he loved, he put them in tough circumstances and they ended up saying, where are you? I'm saying his favorites, the people that we read about, those were the people that ended up wondering where God was. And so far be it from us to presume that we will not be in this situation. And that's where we are today in light of coronavirus, in light of the fact that we have not only had a health crisis, we're in an economic crisis, and we don't even know the nature. The, the curve might be flattening for coronavirus, but the economic anxiety seems to only be increasing. Social anxiety only seems to be increasing. How many of y'all are with your families right now? Hallelujah, how's that been? Amen, all right. So anxiety, frustration, it's all increasing. It's like this consistent frustrations. Uh, school is canceled, all right, homeschool mom. Did you know you were a homeschool mom? You didn't, right? So now life has changed. No one saw this coming but God. And so if God saw this coming, we have to think to ourselves, what is God doing? What, what is he doing? And you may say to yourself, I need an answer now. I need to hear from him now. I need him to speak in this very moment. And don't get me wrong. We can read his word and he will reflect himself throughout his word. He will speak. But it is in the moment of crisis when we don't get our expectations met, where God seems the most silent. I want to acknowledge you today that we cannot mistake God's silence for his absence. That even in those moments where he's seemingly quiet, he is there. That's the message in a nutshell. If you scroll in and you say, I don't even know, that's the message. Amen. So you keep going, do whatever you do. That's the message. God is still working. Amen. Even when we don't see him, when we even don't hear him, we cannot equate his silence for his absence. And so that's what we're going to look at today on this Resurrection Sunday. We're going to look at um, two people that experienced that kind of unique moment. Now, interestingly enough, you know, in here, in this story, we have this moment where these two disciples are walking, disciples of Jesus, they're walking, and as they're walking along the road, this is Sunday. In other words, this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Friday had already happened, Jesus had been placed on a cross, Saturday already happened, he was laying in the tomb, but Sunday was here and he had risen from the dead. But they just had not seen him. And so because of that, now they're walking along the road. It says in Luke 24, verses 13 through 14, 
That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So there's this crazy moment where they're walking and talking and they're on their way to Emmaus. Now, Emmaus is a pretty much unknown town. You know, if you were to go to uh, the area of Jerusalem, it's very hard to find Emmaus because it's not a town that people know a lot about. So they're on their way to Emmaus and you only know one of their names. We later know the guy's name is Cleopas. And obviously Cleopas is not a name that people name their children, amen? So. This is not a famous guy, right? We know Peter, James, John, who's Cleopas, amen? So my point is, is that these are unnamed people for the most part going to an unnamed town. And yet God sent his son and he now is about to walk along the road with these two people. And I love their conversation because their conversation as they continue to talk, um, it says that, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Don't you wish you could do that sometimes? Yes. Like, don't you wish, no, just secretly, don't you wish that you could pull up on some of your office mates, some of your children, some of your cousins, some of your family members, and just kind of pull up and hear the conversation they say about you when you're not there, amen? This is what Jesus does. And why would you want to do that? Because you want to know what they really believe, right? What do they really think? Now, what we'll learn is that they have an understanding that Jesus was a great guy, but dead, right? And I do want to acknowledge just briefly that much of the rhetoric today about Jesus is Jesus was a really good teacher. Dope. I really love. Y'all remember the Sermon on the Mount? Yo, that was so hot. Remember turning water into wine? Remember the fish and the loaves? All amazing. Praise God for the amazing miracles and teachings. And so oftentimes we see Jesus as a good teacher and a miracle worker, but we don't see him as a resurrected savior. And so in many ways, we are much like the disciples, because what we want to do is we want to extract the great teachings of Jesus, the great person of Jesus. But we don't see him as Lord and Savior, resurrected and alive. In many ways, we want to resurrect the life and teachings of Jesus, but leave his body in the grave. And so we're still in that same predicament today. We love Jesus, the leader, Jesus, the teacher, but not Jesus, the Lord. And so that's the moment that they're in. And, and, and it's interesting. So now they're, they're talking and, and, and they, Jesus pulls up. He pulls up and he pulls up to these unnamed, unrecognized people. He pulls up to these people that no one knows. And he goes. Now, you'd think that Jesus would only hang out with the kings and the leaders, but he hangs out with unnamed people. You'd think he would go to the people that are all in Jerusalem, in the capital city, but he goes over to Emmaus. In other words, Jesus seems to pursue the people that are walking away, that are uninterested, the people without a big name. And there is Jesus pulling up, pursuing them even as they don't even recognize that he's there. And I love that it says they didn't recognize him. They didn't understand him and they did not know who he was. It says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Why would, yeah, Jesus wants to get the secret intel. 
But Jesus also has to do that to pull out of us what we really believe. But if you read this, this is what's true. Even as they were walking in despair, walking in disappointment, and walking in pain, Jesus was right there. There's, in their minds, Jesus is not close. Jesus is in the grave. But Jesus was right there. And interestingly enough, they were hopeless and they didn't realize they were walking next to hope. Right there, Jesus was with them. And I, I love the way that Jesus positions himself because they're sitting there talking about Jesus with Jesus and don't realize it. Where is Jesus? Well, Jesus is right there. And in many ways, Jesus was so close that you just didn't recognize him. That in many ways, there have been things in your life that God did. He was so close, you just didn't recognize him. That there have been opportunities that God reflected and had for you. You were so close, you just didn't recognize him. There is such thing as too close to recognize. And it is only after several years of reflection, five years later, you like, you know, the Lord was with me the whole time. The Lord kept me. See, we don't, we don't think to ourselves when we try to look out in the vision of our lives, we think about the destination, but we forget about the journey and we say, oh, I didn't get what I wanted. But Jesus is with us even as we're despairing because we didn't get what we wanted. He walks close to us. He was a little too close to recognize. You know, if I, if I were to take this, I'm gonna go to this camera. I'm gonna shock my, my, my camera team. Don't be scared right now, okay? Now, is, am I on this camera? Hopefully I am. Now, y'all can't, can't see this out there. Y'all can't see this out there, can you? Can you see this? Can you see this? But when you back up, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see that? It says, I love you. Hallelujah. You see how the Lord just kept me just now? <laughs> you see that? When God pulls back and he sees the broader perspective, what he does is he gives you a vision of what you did not see in the moment. And the reality is this, God is always doing that. When you see him, you can't see it, and you're like, man, it's too close, it's too close. But five years later, you, you think to yourself, God was with me the whole time. And the beauty of our Lord and our Savior is that when I look back over my life, I think about how I never really wanted the Lord, but I knew the Lord wanted me. And that's, look, look, what, look what happens. Um, it says in verses 27 through 18, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? So it's interesting, like he's literally saying, how could you not know what's going on, right? Talking to Jesus. And then in verses 19 through 21, and he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a, a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. And then in verse 21, 
But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. This is crazy. They're explaining the crucifixion of Jesus to Jesus. And they don't even realize it. And so he talks about the trial that he had to go through. Jesus, again, is not, he, you can't recognize him. You don't see him. And they talk about him in past tense. But in verse 21, look what they say. We had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. So in their mentality, based upon the Old Testament, the way that they read it, they, they saw that in Genesis 48, that he was going to be this lion of Judah, a conquering king. In many ways, he would take Israel and now place them back into position of power there in Jerusalem. The reality is, is that the Jewish people were an oppressed people group looking for a Messiah to become king and take over the Roman uh, oppression that they were facing. And yet, this coming king did not take over Roman oppression. In fact, he came as a suffering servant. And so we learn in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was that servant that came and loved and he did miracles and all those things, but he was not the king they expected. And he says, besides, it's the third day. And Jesus always talked about on the third day he would rise, but they didn't see him rising. They didn't see Jesus doing what they thought he was going to do. So it was the third day. You're not the Messiah we thought you'd be. And he wasn't who we hoped he would be. And what they were really hoping in wasn't just Jesus. But they were hoping, notice they didn't say, we hoped he would rise from the dead. They said, we hoped he would redeem Israel. They were not hoping in a person, they were hoping in the results. And so because of that, they were in despair. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you don't get the thing that you really wanted, the thing that you really expected, what the Bible says is it makes your heart sick. The heart does not function the way that you're supposed to because the heart is supposed to be the space where you're able to feel and have enjoyment, but you aren't having the life you thought you would have. So you're not able to enjoy life the way you would thought it would be. And your heart is not functioning the way you wanted. It's sick. But sickness, as we've learned in this season, is contracted. And the way that you get sickness is you have to be around something sick. And so it is only in the same way coronavirus is contracted from someone who is sick and passes it along. Maybe the reason why our hearts are sick is because we've tried to connect it to people and things that were sick in the first place. That they... You, you, you tried to make your husband into a king when really he's just a regular person broken with baggage just like you and he's not everything you thought he would be. You thought that job was going to be this wonderful experience, that it was going to be better than the other jobs. Then you got that job and you said, this is my dream job. It ended up being a nightmare boss though. And then you ended up realizing that everything you wanted isn't working the way you thought it would. And because life is not working the way you thought it would, there's something happening in your heart that's sick. But maybe it's because we've connected it to sick things, the things that weren't really meant to be the fulfillment of life. And so in the midst of that, you feel like, man, where is God? 
And where is God speaking and moving? This is the moment that these disciples are in. They're saying, we thought Jesus was going to do something and we don't see him doing it. Now, I, I do want to acknowledge, though, it is not easy to move on from the pain of expectation. In many ways, it's very traumatic when you've been leaning on someone or something, when you've been waiting on someone or something, when you've been hoping in someone and something, it's very traumatic. But God allows us to experience that trauma so we would disconnect our sick hope or that is in something and someone that should not be and get it into a healthy hope in him because he is an unchanging God. He is matchless and he can fulfill the needs that we, long, that we always connect to the wrong thing. Only God can satisfy our hearts. And so it's because of that, God allows us to go through those moments so we can reattach our lives back to him. Luke 24, 25 through 27 says, and he said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe and all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I love that what Jesus does here is Jesus takes the Old Testament and he begins to show them. And, and it's very important that you point out that it says in verse 27, he begins with Moses. And in beginning with Moses, what he's actually showing is the law. And he's showing that all the law, what it was really showing, the sacrificial system, is in essence showing that there had to be a sacrifice in order to pay for sin. And all the lambs, all the bulls, all the goats, Goats, they could only temporarily satisfy for sin. But what we needed was an unblemished person in order to take away the sin of the world. And Jesus was in essence saying, I'm going to begin with Moses. We'll go on over through the Old Testament, all the way up through the prophets. And I will show that I am the one that everything was pointing to. And everything was actually a type of me, a reflection of me. But I am the one that you've actually been leaning on and hoping for. And so he walks them through the Old Testament in order to point that out. But what Jesus does is he says something very powerful. He says, don't you realize that not only do I have to show you the scriptures, he says, but wasn't it necessary that the Christ would suffer? He said, Jesus, Jesus is like, yo, I think you forgot that when I say I am the sacrificial lamb, did y'all forget that the picture of the Old Testament where there was gonna be a crushing of a serpent's head but a biting of a heel, that I am the, that bite, that is what the cross is. And as Jesus talks about who he is, he is showing them that in this life there will be suffering. And he is giving them a picture. And Jesus kept saying this. Jesus kept saying this all throughout his time. He would say that there was going to be a cross that we would bear. He would literally say, count the cost. Because he was trying to tell his disciples, are you sure you want to follow me? Because with me, there is a life where there might be persecution and there will be pain and you'll have a cross on your back. You too will have a cross to bear. Are you sure you want to follow me? I, because the icon of our faith died and suffered. Are you sure you want a suffering servant? Not just a good teacher. Are you sure you want that? 
Jesus says, you, you, you must have forgotten that was at the core of my teaching. That I would die for others. And we're calling you to serve others. And what Jesus does with that is he gives us this picture of what life is. Life is a world of suffering and pain. Life is a world of expectations not being met. Life is a world where kids are expected and fun, but then you get them and they're like, they're okay, they're okay. <laughs> you know, you get, you, you're like, you, you wait to get married, you're like, I wanna get married, then you get married, like, this is all right, this is okay, this is okay. This is all right, this is okay. And, that, and that's all of life. And let, let's just be honest, life is okay. But Jesus is good. If we're really honest about life, and that's what he's saying. He says, life is honestly filled with a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of confusion. How many people are grieving in the city tonight? How many ambulances have we heard going throughout the city tonight? How many friends are we connected to in the city tonight that are struggling? And I want to encourage you as you encourage them, because if you are not going through grief, you are most likely connected to someone going through grief. And we must remind them not to just move past pain because the pain is real, but to let them know that Jesus is with us through the pain. And he shows us that this life will have pain and trouble. And he says, and the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. And what he is saying is, even though we are crushed, we have an indelible hope that transcends this world. So now, no matter if death tolls rise, we know Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. It does not matter how high the death toll becomes. We know that Jesus beat death and there is another life we look to. So life, no matter how up or down, circumstances do not define joy. Rather, it is the king who is beyond this world. That is what gives us joy. And that's what gives us life. And Jesus does this incredible thing, Luke 24, 30 through 31. It says, when he was at the table with them, now Jesus keeps walking with them and they ask to come home with him. And it says in verse 30 through 31, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Jesus does this communion with them. He takes this meal, he blesses it, and he breaks it. And all of a sudden their eyes are opened. It's in this moment that Jesus gives them the ability to finally see him. And he communes with them. We learn later in the scriptures that he does this in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how he blesses and breaks the bread in communion. We get this incredible picture in communion of what God is doing, that he's saying, I am present. In the midst of pain, I am present. 
And this is a symbolic act reminded us that I am present because he does this act with them and then vanishes. And he shows them this in many ways is a picture of doing this in remembrance of me. Remember me. And so God gives us these ordinances like baptism and communion to remember him. But he not only does that, it says in Luke 24 and 32, Jesus vanishes. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Didn't our hearts burn? And as they're sitting there reflecting, they're like, man, when Jesus was teaching, remember he was talking about the lamb and he was going all throughout the Bible, man. There's, it wasn't that he was smart. It wasn't his intellect, but there was something that was happening inside of me when Jesus taught. And tonight, I pray that as the word of God goes forth, there is something that Jesus was teaching you by the power of the Holy Spirit that your life is now connecting with the scriptures and you feel like the Holy Spirit is teaching you and your heart is burning on the inside. It is, it's crazy because they went from having a conversation about Jesus to having a conversation with Jesus. And that's the difference to know God. It's one thing to have a conversation about Jesus, but it's a whole nother thing to have a conversation with Jesus. That's why their hearts were burning because the one who made their hearts connected with them. Jesus is alive and his, him living from the dead, him raising from the dead means everything has changed. It means that we have hope when you are alone and you are isolated in your home and you are quarantined, the spirit of God is not quarantined. He is alive. He is seated on a throne and he is available to you. And maybe much of our anxiety tonight comes from the fact that there's something irreversible about death and loss. There's something irreversible about grief. When you didn't get what you wanted, there's something irreversible about it. That's why when you get into your 30s and your 40s, you, you feel this time clock moving quicker and faster. You're 25 and you're not where you thought you would be and you feel this sense that you've got to have it. And the reason why you feel that is death. That's the only reason why you feel pressure because you want a full life and you're wondering Will I miss out? I'm 37 and I just, I thought I would have a marriage. I thought I would have kids. Will I miss out? And FOMO is crushing you because you compare your life to other people. Will you have what you want? And what we have tonight Jesus doesn't say, poor baby, I want to console you because you don't have what you want. Jesus comes by us and says, I've got something better. 
We don't have consolation. We have resurrection. We have a better life. No, our life isn't thinking by now and could it be better? Our life is thinking one day it will be much better and it will be much greater. And the, what we believe in the culture is you only live once, so you got to go hard. And it's, you know, it's YOLO that leads to FOMO, right? So we end up thinking to ourselves, I got to have it because I only live once and I got to have it now. What if we had one more, praise God? What if we had one more life? What if life kept going? If that's the case, I'm not afraid. I am not afraid of not getting what I want right now. In fact, as much as I'm putting on my mask and as many gloves as I'm wearing and I'm walking outside with aerosol can sprays and I'm looking at people when they're not socially distancing and all that and I don't want my daughters to get sick and I don't want to die, but I know that Christ beat death because he got up on Sunday and because he got up, I am not afraid of missing out. My expectations are not going to ever be fulfilled in this life but they will be fulfilled in the life to come. And so that's why the joy of the resurrection is so much better. And I don't care what religion, what faith stream you have tonight, Jesus, just like Jesus and these two people walking along the road, you may be sitting on your couch, you may have been scrolling, you may have gotten this link from somebody and you think to yourself, I don't want church, I don't want the church people, but there's something about Jesus and there was something about that man that he was talking about that is doing something inside of me and Jesus pulled up on you. He is pulling up. That's why everything is shut down. That's why everything is shut down. That's why you can't click over to something else right now. Jesus is pulling up on you right now. That's why you can't go anywhere right now. You're sitting there because you can't go anywhere. He is. Some of you are being isolated because his eyes have been on you. And he wants to open your eyes not to just see opportunity in New York City, not to just see a great life and not just to see a husband or a wife. He wants you to see him and he's pulling up on you and he's in the middle of your conversations and he says, have you considered me? Jesus tonight, tonight he wants our eyes open to see him. Father, in the name of Jesus, there are somebody here tonight there's somebody here tonight. There's somebody here tonight. There's somebody here tonight. They're, they're here tonight. And they are reflecting on the message and they're saying to themselves, I have all these expectations of life and life has not worked the way I want and maybe I've been putting too much pressure on this life. And maybe you're just afraid of death. But death couldn't hold you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, Tonight, I pray that someone would make a decision to know you and walk with you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at BridgeChurchNYC. Our website is BridgeChurchNYC.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.